This is Gabby V, and welcome to the Clever Hybrids Podcast. Every season, we interview 12 bilingual professionals from around the world to hear their tips and to help you thrive in this multidimensional world. Let's jump right into the episode. Hey, Daiso, thank you so much for being here with us today. This is going to be cool. I feel like this season is like the season of connections. We've got one couple being interviewed separately. Then we have Gretchen, who knows you, that told me to reach out to you. Everybody knows each other this season. It's weird. That's <laughs> awesome. I didn't know you're talking with Gretchen. And yeah, she's amazing. She's my friend. So yeah. Yeah, you both are very chill. I like that vibe. <laughs> <laughs> and you might hear my cat meowing on the background. So just setting the expectations. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of cat is that? I thought it was a baby for a second. Yeah, it's interesting. He's like meowing is changing over the years. He's like an old cat. He's 17 years old. Okay, yeah, my cat is pretty old too, but he lives with my family back in the US. I miss him. Oh. <laughs> can you pick him up so we can see him? Is he that close or not really? Yeah, I actually have three pets. So yeah, close let i can gather him yeah give him a cameo he's like i want to be on the camera too Daisa. <laughs> he's here oh what a cutie yeah he has one eye and two hearts Aww. <laughs> hello it's a tough guy survivor yeah, yeah survivor <laughs> <laughs> Now he's quiet. He's like, I got the attention I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> but Tysa, this is really like the power of technology. It's the morning where you are in San Francisco. And after this interview, I'm going to sleep in Germany. So it's only technology would let us do that. <laughs> yeah, it's really late for you. Don't worry, <laughs> I took a nap so I would be alert and ready for this interview. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be good. Just like I mentioned, Gretchen was telling me, you need to talk to Taisa. She has this cool podcast. It's not like your podcast, but it's focusing on Latinx and tech. And I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. I need to talk to this lady. So here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, so I can't believe it's been a year. I launched the Latinx Empower podcast, but it's been a while I wanted to do something like that but it's really hard <laughs> and for me it's not natural to to be so out there <laughs> in my second language so it took me a lot of time to decide to do it and I'm glad I did it I think during this pandemic especially it's the podcast is bringing me a lot of joy I'm making connections with a lot of people in the beginning, I was interviewing basically all my friends, and now I'm interviewing a lot of people that I don't know much or I want to know more about it, someone who reaches me. So it's been really, really good. Yeah, it was really cool. I think we started around the same time, July of last year. But why did you decide to do the podcast in your second language, English, instead of your mother tongue, Portuguese? What was the reason behind that? Yeah, the reason behind that is basically because I live in the United States and English is the language that I communicate at work. So I think it 
it made more sense to me to have it in English. And also, although I'm talking with Latinx folks, I'm from Brazil, so my native language is Portuguese, it's not Spanish. So I thought that our common language was also English. So I think those are the main reasons why I chose English. But what was the biggest thing you learned this year? You know, the first year is always, oh, I broke that. How do I fix it? What was the biggest aha moment? I have been thinking a lot about what does it mean to be a perfectionist? And for a while, I thought that was something really good because you always strive for perfection. You're always trying to improve. And at the same time, I realized that there is a lot of other layers related to that. For example, insecurities or a lot of other things that was actually preventing me to do stuff that I wanted or even like experiment. And with the podcast, I was really scared to do something like that because it it's not a field that I'm an expert. It's something that you build over time. And this is scared me a lot. But at the same time, I was like, no, let's do it. And I think it'll be fun. In the beginning, as I said, I interviewed my friends. So I was feeling really good about it because we know each other for such a long time. And I realized that's okay to launch something that is not like perfect or Maybe you're like self-conscious about the way you speak, especially thinking about myself, having English as a second language. I think we always put a lot of pressure in the accent side of it. And one of the things that we are seeing with my podcast as I'm interviewing other Latinxes is that we have a lot of different accents. And this is beautiful. This is amazing. So I have a lot of people saying that to me so i think this was a surprise maybe those two things like doing something really out of your comfort zone and also receiving feedback from people i have some folks they are using the podcast with their students because they want to expose them to different accents different ways of speaking or even some of them they are more focused in the professional life so we are talking about real life situation in a professional area so it's been really an interesting journey oh that's nice yeah i had the same problem when i started I'm like it has to be perfect before i release it it's like no it's part of the process let it go <laughs> yeah totally and it's not i think i was more used to creating like written content online so i have a blog since 2016 that i write really often and I talk about what I do, program management, product management, and things related to this area. But when you are writing, you have a chance to revisit. Sometimes you forget something, or even if something changes. For example, I talked about a software that I like, and they create a new feature. So I can go there and edit with the podcast, with audio. It's not like that. You can change. So this is quite scary. Yeah, that's something that I'm still working on now because now we have three seasons and I'm like, oh, I could have done that differently or I need to add this thing. But it's, it's you spend so much time tweaking that you can't move forward. You just got to be like, it's done. Pretend it's a masterpiece and you sold it like a painting. You can't go in the museum and be like, wait, okay. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. But you mentioned with the accents, I really like that Latinx in Power has merchandise and one of them is everyone has an accent. So 
there's a lot of podcasts. Some choose to have merchandise, some not. Why did you choose to have merchandise for yours? I decided to have merchandise first because it's important to me that the Latinx in power continue to be independent. We probably won't have ads ever, but I wanted to be able to monetize a little bit to cover some of the costs that I have, for example, editing, design, a lot of things I do by myself with my free time, but I also wanted to be able to scale uh, a little bit more and the podcast not be so dependent on me. And the second reason is also because I feel that there's a lot of nexus here in the United States, but we don't have a lot of cool swag. I started to research, I saw some but there's not a lot, so I wanted to also bring my perspective. It's provocative and political, kind of what you mentioned about everyone has accent. It came from a time when I was traveling here in the United States. It was a long time ago when we used to share an Uber. And the driver was actually really nice, but the other person who was sharing the Uber with me, I was talking with the driver and the person was saying they wanted to know where I'm from. And I didn't want to say it because it's just whatever. When the person is nice, they want to know because they are interested about you, where you come from, and they want to talk more about it. Or sometimes they just want to judge you. And I felt that this guy just wanted to know to judge me or whatever. He was like, oh, but you have an accent. You're not from here. I want to know where you're from. And I, I said to him, like, everyone has an accent. Just don't think that only like native speakers don't have an accent because we have different ways to talk. And thinking about my native language, Portuguese, we have different ways to talk. I'm not from Sao Paulo, but I lived in Sao Paulo for five years when I moved. People knew that I wasn't from, from there because of the way I speak, some words that I use. So it's normal. It's really normal. So I wanted to normalize the sense that we have an accent and that's okay. Yeah, that's true. Even now, unfortunately, there's a lot of bias against accents and accent reduction is a very popular course for a lot of people. So I'm here to tell you guys, Taisa's here to tell you all it's not necessary. Maybe it's not the accent you should be working on. Maybe it's the pronunciation of a few words, but overall, your accent is part of who you are. So don't try to erase that. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think I will also add to that, that if you can be in places where you can be yourself, meaning also embracing your personality, showing your personality at work and being comfortable about your accent. And I understand that sometimes it's, it's not so easy depending on the environment you are, especially thinking about work. We know that there's uh, like places that are more inclusive than the others. But at the same time, I know that it's tricky. So if you can, just look for those places where you can belong. Yeah, that's true. You have to find someone where they appreciate you for you. Mm hmm Yeah. Natasha, uh, going back a little bit, you mentioned podcasting has some costs. Some people are like, yeah, it's free. It, does, it takes a lot of time, energy, and money. So what are some of the costs that you have to 
run a successful podcast? Yeah, it's interesting because we have some free tools and there's a lot going on at the moment, but at the same time, still, we have costs. For example, launching a podcast to make it available in all streaming platforms, there's a cost on that. If you can do the editing by yourself, it's great because you're going to save some money, but at the same time, you are going to use your free time. And our free time also has costs. I think it's important to keep that in mind as well. In my case, I have an editor. She is amazing. She does everything for me and saves me a lot of time. And it's great to also work with someone, get her insights. I'm not an expert in editing, so I'm pretty new with that, but she's an expert. So it's amazing to work together. In my case, right now I have the store. So there's also the cost, the monthly cost of having a store live, the domain, or I do a lot by myself because of my experience. I used to be a designer. So I have a lot of expertise in this Field. I create my own website, the design, a lot of aspects of it. I do it by myself. But for someone who doesn't have this expertise, it's just another cost. It's important to keep that in mind and to find a way to balance. There's some things you enjoy more than the others. So I think it's another thing to keep in mind. Sometimes you enjoy more one part of uh, the thing you are doing, your personal project. So if you can outsource the other areas that you don't know much or you don't know how to do it, just if you can, I think it's, it's nice to do it. Yeah, that's true. And you are right on top of it. One of the quotes you have on your site from the Hispanic Foundation of Silicon Valley, which I kind of knew some of this, but it was still like, wow, 26% of Silicon Valley are Latinx. And the population of Latinx in the U.S., will double in the next 30 years, but less than 3% are in the high-tech industry, mostly because they just don't know how to break in there. So this podcast is perfect for people who are trying to figure out, okay, how do I get from here to here? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's really sad to think about this number, only 3% and 26% of the, the population here in United States and even more in Silicon Valley. And if you think about leadership positions, it is even less than 3%. I would dare to say that if it is even 1%, but I think over the years, especially in the past year, things started to change a little bit more, especially after all the Black Lives Matter movement that we saw last year and a lot of conversations that people are having. I think this is, in some companies, it's they are really dedicated to raise this number and to truly have diversity, but we still, the minority in tech, and we can see that where we work, and even the products we consume, Thinking about, for example, I use a lot of Google Home. I use it a lot, but I have an accent. So a lot of times Google Home doesn't understand me because I'm maybe not pronouncing the words the way it should be pronounced. So it can't understand me. And when I think about that, I think, oh, they probably don't have a lot of diversity there, or maybe they don't want to invest in making sure that Google Home will understand different types of accents, different ways of speaking in English, because there's different ways, right? Depending on 
where you are. It's funny, I said that in an episode that we talked about decolonizing design, that sometimes I listen to a lot of Brazilian music and French music, and I know how to pronounce the songs, but a lot of times I need to fake my accent, especially my accent in Portuguese sounded American, so Google Home can understand me. And I feel that it's so stupid. It's so stupid. It's my native language, and I need to fake it in order to be understood. Yeah, it's, it's sad, but a lot of this AI is very helpful, but there's a lot of bias towards paler faces and also in northeastern american accent even southerners like some of my family they have trouble using their amazon alexa because it doesn't understand them so we're working on it <laughs> yeah yeah we have a lot of work to do <laughs> yeah it's not you're not gonna undo 500 years of colonial mindset in a couple of years it's gonna take a while yeah absolutely mm -hmm. but that takes us back to maybe some of the bias that you might have seen when you moved from Sao Paulo to San Francisco in 2014. But you mentioned you're not from Sao Paulo. For, so what part of Brazil are you from, first of all? Yeah, I'm from a state that is called Minas Gerais. Is the, my city is called Belo Horizonte, which means beautiful horizon. We don't have the beach, but we have the mountains. And it's the third biggest city in Brazil, but not a lot of people know it. It's really close to Rio and Sao Paulo. And I lived uh, five years in Sao Paulo before I moved to the United States. Oh, pretty cool. So that's something too, that a lot of people, they think of Brazil, they think of beach, Rio, <laughs> Sao Paulo. But what are some of the stereotypes that you hear about Brazil and you're just like, oh yeah, yeah. What are some things you want people to know is not how it actually is? <laughs> yeah, it's funny because sometimes I don't even want to say that I'm Brazilian, depending on where I'm talking, especially like white men. So, or especially if I'm by myself alone. So people, I think they have the assumption that every Brazilian know how to dance or they like soccer or eat meat. I don't eat meat. I don't know. Sometimes I feel that they have this image of Brazil that we live in the jungle, eating bananas. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know. The Brazilian team at the World Cup, they experienced the same type of discrimination. And things haven't really changed that much since then. It's sad. Yeah, very really sad. Yeah, but Brazil is huge. It's the fifth largest country in the world. It's a huge emerging economy. It's not just the beach and the Amazon people. You got to understand. <laughs> yeah, and I think there's also the microaggressions. There's like the, those stupid things people sometimes say. But I remember when I moved to the U.S., I was looking for a job. And the person knew that I was from Brazil. She was looking at my resume. And she was impressed because I use the same softwares that people use here. <laughs> I don't know. I think in the beginning, it also relates to, to how comfortable you are in the place you are, in the language you're living. I think in the beginning, I wasn't that comfortable, so I wasn't able to reply back. Sometimes when you just repeat what the other person just said, 
it makes them think. <laughs> now I feel more empowered to say something or speak for someone else or creating those uncomfortable situations that sometimes are really important. Yeah, what would you say in a situation that would make somebody think without being too rough? Can you give me an example? Yeah, that's a hard question. This example that someone said to me, it's a microaggression. They were surprised that I use the same softwares in Brazil as the ones they use here in Silicon Valley. If it was today, I would say, why would you think that? And I think just saying that, makes the person think. Maybe she won't say it, but she knows why she said that. So I think maybe sometimes just like replying back and asking things like that makes the other person think and hopefully not say it again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so you gotta read between the lines. What do you mean? Like, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. That's a good point. But you, you mentioned that you didn't speak much English when you came. When did you start learning English? And then what level were you at when you came, do you think? Yeah, that's interesting because I started to study English when I was 11 years old. When I was younger, I used to be really confident, like really like confident I could speak English with anyone. And I had a lot of friends over like the internet where I could speak in English. So I was feeling really good about it. And I finished kind of like graduated when I was 17. Sometimes when you get older, you become more self-conscious. I work with international companies. I used to work in advertising when I was in Brazil. So I work with international clients. So my last client was HP, meetings in English and everything. But it was more us listening or writing rather than speaking. So when I moved here, I think sometimes you overestimate a lot of things. <laughs> it's different when you move to another country compared to when you are just visiting. I remember that I needed to schedule doctor appointments or get your social security number. So stuff like that is different. It's so different to deal with things like that. So I was feeling really insecure about my English and I couldn't speak. I spent a lot of time like just saying the minimal, asking my partner to order food for me or do a lot of stuff for me because I didn't want to speak. I, I needed to book an appointment and I called the place and I was booking the appointment for myself and my husband. And his last name is tricky because the E and I is, is switched in Portuguese. So uh -oh. I, I spell it wrong over the phone to the person. And the person said to me, oh, you don't know how to speak your husband's name. <laughs> and I was so mad. I was like, oh, I just moved here. It's so hard for me to have conversations in my second language. I was getting really oh. tired to speak in English. But at the same time, at that time, I was able to say something because it was something that I struggled for a long time, not being able to even reply back. And I replied to her. It was the only thing that I could say. And I said to her, I know how to spell his name, but not in your language. 
you like, I know another language. How about that then? <laughs> because I was so mad, maybe because I was frustrated because I wasn't able to communicate the way I used to in my native language. And I was so frustrated not being able to have conversations the way I was used to. And over the phone, it was even harder. Yeah, this happened. And a lot of things like that happened in the beginning. And I think in the beginning, it's harder just because you are insecure. And it can make you really sad. Or maybe internally, you're thinking that things like that, reinforcing that you're not good enough, your English is not good enough. Or sometimes someone doesn't understand you and they say, can you say that again? And it's just, oh, my English is terrible no one understands me so you overreact a lot <laughs> yeah i had the same thing happen to me when i moved here to germany but it was a little bit different because my husband was working a lot so i was forced to make a lot of appointments but still you have moments especially with some of my clients even they tell me the hardest thing for me is in a meeting trying to say something on the spot like i didn't prepare it talking on the phone and when I'm talking on the phone, what to say first after hello, how are you? I don't know what to do. <laughs> but the, the other day, something so embarrassing happened to me. I thought I was like, yeah, I know German now, I know. So I had to go to the foreigner's authority office and I brought all of my paperwork. Then on the form, it said this thing about your partner for a Vorsprache, and I thought, oh, okay, that must mean our marriage certificate. So I brought that, and then the lady said, oh, no, the Vorsprache means I needed to talk to him, so he needs to be here with you. And I was like, oh, no! <laughs> but she was nice. She let me call him and make a time for him to come. But I can really tell the difference now because we lived in a smaller city when we first got married and the people didn't have that much empathy. They were like, what's wrong with you? You didn't read the thing? You couldn't figure out what this says? But now we live in a bigger city, which is more diverse. People are much more patient. Mm -hmm. But it's still hard. Like you get there and you're like, I can't believe I messed that up. That's basic. But also <laughs> the pandemic, you get fewer chances to talk. So yeah start true. To forget stuff <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah yeah sure it's hard it's really hard having english as a first language you have access to more things even having english as a second language now but it's a language that i feel more comfortable and i realized that i was getting lazy too so my spanish is worse now i'm learning french again after many years it's just so hard. <laughs> I go to France, I can speak in, in English and some people will understand me. So that's fine. So I'm forcing myself when I go to other places, especially when I go to France, trying to speak in French, even with my broken French, just so I will have the opportunity to practice it and get better. Yeah, that's good. Really, really hard. But if people have empathy, it makes it easier. <laughs> There are four things you can do as a native speaker to help someone feel more comfortable. To speak slowly but correctly, so don't use baby talk, that's number one. Then let the person speak, listen to them patiently. 
also give them very specific feedback so you can give them specific commendations like, oh yeah, that's a good word, keep using that word. But also if you give them a correction, do it nicely and have it be specific, not like, you're so dumb, and be like, oh, we don't really say it like that. So maybe you could say it like this next time. So just little things like that can make a big difference. I think so. And sometimes when people say something, you might not know the expression. For example, so if the person say, ask you to repeat, you can repeat the same expression, but maybe when they ask you to repeat it again, just change it, say in a different way, because they probably don't know that expression or their words. Many years ago, I used to go to Starbucks a lot and I ordered something. And the person said to me, would that be all really fast? And I couldn't understand. I thought it was a word. And I'm like, I don't know this word. What is happening? And the person said, would that be all three times? And I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> and an other person said to me, oh, he's saying, will that be all? I was like, oh, okay. Yes, I don't want anything else. Yeah, that's a good point. A lot of people make the mistake when that happens, like this person repeating themselves. Or if they speak your language, then they switch to your language for you. And they're like, I'm not, no, don't do that. Because <laughs> then you have to switch gears in your brain. Yeah. But that person helped you out a lot. They said it's slower. Or like you said, they could simplify it. So that's a good strategy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think about this a lot because I write a lot with my blog using acronyms. I remember when I started to work here in US, <laughs> it was funny because I couldn't understand a lot of things because people are using acronyms a lot. And I was using Google all the time <laughs> so I can understand what they were talking about. And now I'm, I'm used to that, but it was really funny in the beginning. <laughs> Yeah, acronyms are like their own language. So now that you're a manager, how do you manage making sure everybody understands what you mean? So I'm a program manager, but I work with different teams, but I don't manage any team or any person, but I'm always working with cross-functional teams. So for example, in my team, we have different program managers. There's product managers, engineers, there's a lot of different teams and my team at Twitter is really diverse and everyone is really nice. It's a global team. So we have people all over and I feel that I learned a lot and I feel really comfortable about having different accents, different ways of speaking. So I feel that I'm always learning a lot about other markets, the way they work, the way they speak, their expectations. I always try to come from a curiosity point of view rather than like having assumptions i'm a curious person i want to know i want to talk and i also want to create relationships with the folks i work with so i always try to bring that to everything i do maybe there are things related to my culture to that it's business oriented but also relationship oriented um really comfortable living here and also with what I do. So it's also helps me to bring a lot of my personality 
at work. If you have the opportunity to have a conversation, setting the expectations and ask for what you need, I think things are much easier. What does a project manager actually do? We hear that all the time, but what is it exactly? Yeah, so maybe let's start with the definition of a project. It's something that has a defined beginning and ending. So a project is not going to last forever. It's something with a defined start and end and budget. What the project manager does is basically manage this entire process since the beginning into the end, which is also making sure that you are going to deliver the project on time, on budget, and you have the right resources to do it. And setting the expectations with the stakeholders and things like that. Program manager, it's a more business-oriented role. So usually in a program, you have many projects happening at the same time, and they have the same business objectives. So all those projects is going to help you to achieve your business goal. So you're more focused on the business side of it, and the operations, and making sure that things are working the way it was supposed to work in order to achieve your business objective. So you, you won't be working in a day-to-day like tasks because you have other teams working with that. Okay, so a program manager would be the manager of a whole bunch of project managers? Is that how it works? Not necessarily. The program manager is the person helping to achieve a business goal of the program. The project manager is going to be focused maybe in one project, one thing that you need to achieve and deliver. But this one thing is part of something you need to achieve from your side, from the program side of things. Yeah, it sounds like it's a lot of just making sure you balance everything. So it takes a very special personality like yours. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And it's the part that I like a lot. I love to work with people. And I think it's really fascinating because we are all different. We have different skills. We have different expectations. And there's life happening in between. So we have good days, bad days. So being able to navigate all of that, it's not easy. Yeah, it's definitely helping you, even on the other side, to make sure that the podcast runs smoothly too. I've I've just been amazed by your consistency with the way you manage your team. It's always there. It's never late. You constantly have some content like, wow, look at this girl. She was working and everything's still on time. It's amazing. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I think uh, especially when you have a side project, there's the ideal world, right? The ideal will be having a new episode weekly or bi-weekly. But the reality is that I have a full time. It's just, it's a, a huge commitment. So... You do what you can. In my case, I decided to do once a month because this is the cadence that I can commit to. And I think now, especially this year, I found a good balance, a good flow where I can spend some time planning the episodes and then I get into the recording mode. So I record a bunch of episodes at once and then I can dedicate my time to other things. This flow helped me a lot to make sure that I have episodes every month. (laughs) Yeah, it's good. It's hard to find that balance because I've gone back and forth. I was like, 
let me record all 12 episodes and in five weeks and that was tiring and then it's like no that's too much let me record one every week and then have it done by thursday and i was like no that's too much so <laughs> now we're at the point where i'm like okay i'm gonna record these maybe two a week until i get to 12 and then release one every two weeks so we'll see how it goes uh -huh. i'm still alive at the end i'll let you know <laughs> yeah that's cool especially because you also do the editing it's a lot of work yeah it's a lot to do the scheduling and you gotta do the editing and you have to make the um, episode art and get everybody organized it's fun i like it but it's still it takes time yeah it takes time it takes time it's fun <laughs> mm -hmm. so wrapping up here taisa what would you say to someone who's where you were seven years ago maybe they're just moving to the states and now they're moving into a united states that's in lockdown how could they start to feel more comfortable with their new surroundings yeah i think it's really hard to think about that because thinking about myself seven years ago was really hard to move and even though i know that i also had a lot of privilege because i moved with a visa, so I was always allowed to work. So even though it was really difficult to build my career again from scratch, but one thing that I would say is first, don't put a lot of pressure on yourself. Try to have fun. Why are you moved to another country? Why are you building your career again? And the other thing I would say to be really strategic about your choices, the things you want to do. For example, if you want to switch careers, which was what I did when I moved, and I think it's not ideal, <laughs> it's really hard. I think I will try to think about not switching careers for now, but thinking about ways where you can switch after a period of time, because it's much harder when you are new, you need to make connections, you don't know a lot of people, plus you want to change your career, it's really hard. And another thing is just spend a lot of time networking, talking with people. People are usually really nice. Message them on LinkedIn or Twitter and just ask to have a 30 minute coffee to discuss a subject, one thing that is really useful is to be really specific about what you're looking. For example, you want to become a program manager and you message this program manager. You say, oh, you work in this company, you are a program manager. I am a designer and I want to switch to program management. I want to talk with you about this and this. You have 30 minutes of your time for a phone call or hangouts. And that's it, because sometimes the person don't know how they can help you. It's much easier for the person to say yes if you give them what you need and what you are expecting. It's something that I learned as I, I, I navigated the process here, things here, and I think it's a game changer for folks who are trying to make connections and networking. Great advice. I like that point. Tyson, where can people find you? I know you're very active on LinkedIn and Twitter. Please tell us where we can find you and your Latinx and Power podcast. Yeah, so people can find me on Twitter. My handle is Ty Fernandez. 
I use LinkedIn a lot. It's my name, Thaisa Fernandez. I'm always sharing things related to product management, program management, design, Latinx, and things that are important to me <laughs> that are related to inclusion, belonging, diversity. Also, my podcast is latinxempower.com. You can find it in all streaming platforms. And we also have the online store. And it's also a blog. So for folks who are not used to listen to podcasts, we have a transcription of the episodes in our blog on Medium. So if you look for Latinx Empower, you're going to find our blog as well. And we are also on Instagram. Okay, very cool. Latinx Empower podcast is demystifying tech, interviewing Latinx leaders all over the world to get their perspective, encouragement, and insights. It's awesome because yeah. Tyson's interviewed people from Brazil, from Mexico, Cubans, Hondureños, Peruanos, Paraguayos, Spanish, Colombian, and many more. So you guys will enjoy it. Uh, thank you. Yeah, our goal is actually interview at least one person for each Latin America country, because to me it's also important to bring diversity, also in terms of countries. We interviewed 15 countries and we have a lot more to go. And the goal is really bring different perspectives. There's not only one way to do things. There's not only one path. And our path is not supposed to be linear. So it's okay to be messy and change as we go. So this is our goal to, to show that a lot of different ways to do things and different journeys and everything's all right. It's, it's fine. Yeah, that's awesome. I think I have a few suggestions maybe for Argentina, El Salvador and Guatemala for you. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, send it to me. Actually, yeah. I just interviewed someone from Argentina. And yeah, so it'd be great to have more. Okay, cool. So we'll talk about that offline. But everybody, this is Taisa Fernandez. Go ahead and check out those handles. Check out that podcast. And we'll see you next time. Still want more? First, subscribe or follow the Clever Hybrids podcast wherever you're listening to this. And you can binge listen to our 30 plus episodes. If you want even more than that, we share helpful clips and quotes from our podcast on our Instagram and Twitter accounts. The handle is at Clever Hybrids. But Clever Hybrids isn't just a podcast. We're a language service and content creation business. If you want help to be bilingual or to create a podcast or content for your business, check out our website, cleverhybrids.com and mention the code CHPODCAST20 to get 20% off your order. And as always, welcome to the Clever Hybrids Tribe. This is Gabby V signing off. See you next time.